Welcome back to the Beer O'Clock Podcast. I'm Dylan Toon. I'm Angus Norris. And we are still going, still remoting, still well, starting to rug up a lot more. A lot more. It's cold. This is the Melbourne we know and love. And um, yeah, but at least we're still here. And we're still going. And this is working reasonably well. I feel, I feel more comfortable every time we do this, I think. Yeah, it's getting easier each time. I think. Uh, I think we may... I mean, there's certainly... We'll, we'll be back in person at some point in the future, but um, for now, this is working, so... Yeah, we'll... Make s- things easier s- for everyone. Stick with it while it's still best to protect the health system where we can, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And I, I take it you haven't had any negative feedback, so we'll... Uh, about the format? No, no, everyone seems happy from the feedback we've got. We got a bit this week. I mean, the new mics probably mean that it sounds better than it has before anyway, so... Probably. We we'll, may even have to use the two-mic system when we're back in in person. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. Uh, had a couple of quick notes you wanted to run through before we uh, hit the news, mostly following on from last month's. Yeah, lots of it's from last month. Um, last week we talked about um, Dr. Morse, seeing if they were open. Um, they actually did a live, like a stream DJ set the other night. Like for all the people from the venue, from the venue, that's great. Which is cool. I'm sure the uh, neighbours who were finally keen, you know, thrilled that there was no live music venue next to them, <laughs> yeah. would have been thrilled. <laughs> well, they're gonna have to get used used to a bit of noise once this is all over. I think. Yeah. In fact, they may even embrace it. Indeed. Well, like you moved in there and you live in Abbotsford, so what do you expect? I suppose <laughs> you've picked the wrong suburb if you want quiet. Yeah. Um, we also last time. Uh, we're talking about the mountain culture um, wildflower collab that I think you just had and are giving me a can yeah. of. Yeah, I, I don't think I discussed it particularly in depth because I was waiting for you. Yeah, um, I really liked it. I reckon that yeah, that's a great beer. Too. It's a very us beer, which probably doesn't help people, listeners a lot, but uh, it's very, I know, things like... Stuff you don't see a lot that you should see more of, like straight saisons. Yeah, made super well. A lot of wheat in that one. Heaps of wheat, I thought, um, as well as you know, good pepper, floral notes. Yeah, yeah, touch of funk, like nothing, nothing like world beating, but just clean, super well made, which is kind of what you want to see. And I've got a can left, and I'm hoping we can maybe podcast in August or something. We'll revisit and we'll see if anything's happened to it. Yeah, it'll be interesting because it's. I I would guess it's a heifer yeast, not a like a yeah yeah. So it'll be interesting if it develops at all. I guess we'll yeah we'll we'll be able to tell. <laughs> You'd think so because it was beautifully clean when we had it. So if it does develop, it'll be quite obvious. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you had a, the Dominican Republic shout out. Yeah, yeah. So we had a gut. We've got a uh, subscriber in the Dominican Republic, which is pretty cool. <laughs> very very cool I don't know if we'll be able to find their um, National lager But we'll have a crack It's um, Presidente And I've had one before in Switzerland of all places And if you're listening And you have a problem with us Choosing Presidente Then please let us know Because we're not going to get other, much more Dominican uh, feedback No, no, I think that'll be our only Dominican Republic feedback <laughs> <laughs> So if you have it, now is the time Exactly Do, do let us know <laughs> if you hear this. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, and on that note, we will just get straight into news, I think. Yep, let's do it. Uh, pubs and breweries can open 
from next week from Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And a lot of them aren't. Uh, some of them are. Basically, from my understanding, is it's uh, 20 people. You have to be sitting down. You have to be eating. Yep. And it's a meal, uh, so, not a snack. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, that old uh, Batuta, not old Batuta, but semi-recent article they put out of a uh, man de- decides having 10 steak sandwiches in a row was a bad choice when he went to the pub. I think that was when they reopened at, uh, in Sydney and Queensland. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can see there's, there'll be a bit of that going around. Yeah, there will. And by the time this goes out, we'll, it should have been open for a week or two, you'd think? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And with the way the regulations are changing each day, I doubt it'll be, a, you know, it'll be the same when that happens. The same. Yeah. Yeah. So don't use us as your source of what you can and can't you, do. We you should never come to us for timely news. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we'll either all be locked back inside or it will probably have opened up even more. I mean, I think they said the 23rd of June was the next date they were going to reassess yeah. and planning on bringing it to 50. But uh, I think with that, yeah, definitely have to wait and see on that one. But um, it's good. I, I really hope this eases any financial pressure that um, some of the well, breweries who have. A lot of the breweries on. had issues with um, uh, their food classification. So you have to have a certain kitchen classification. Um, to be able to reopen, and a lot of them don't qualify. That's interesting. So I wonder if something like Westside, who have the van out the front sort of thing, like it's it's an on-site thing, but you know that that you know what I mean. Sort of, yep. does that count as an on-site kitchen? Or because I saw that uh, Golden Hills were reopening. They're quite small, but they do have like a brew pub. Well, they're opening. Um, this is their first opening. Oh, it's actually their opening, is it? Yeah. So they've never. No, I didn't op- know that they opened in COVID, and so have just oh. been doing takeaways. Well, that will be memorable for them. Indeed. <laughs> um, but they're, they're, they're opening on the first as far as I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anything else you want to touch on with that? Well, Brewery Colo are opening is the one thing. So I think that Westside probably do count because Brewery Colo yep. have their food truck. Very similar Which system, is somehow, yeah. yeah. Um, but someone who I thought had a kitchen I know didn't qualify because their kitchen wasn't the right category or something. But I remember I'm, who that was, or was it just uh, not off the top, top of my top head? Of yeah. yeah, I've seen so many of them. But by the time yeah, that's the that, thing. <laughs> by the time Monday rolls around, I'm sure changes will have been made to that. And hopefully, Crafty Fine will have a rolling master list of who is, who's open and who's closed. Yeah, um, rather than scrolling probably, through Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and trying to follow every single page when half of them don't have a good social media presence or a timely one at least. Uh, but yeah. That's on to incredibly more international news. Uh, you can't ignore the claw, and Lion certainly couldn't, and White Claw is coming to Australia. Uh, this sort of is represents a big splash in the ocean of hard seltzer that we're seeing recently, and it will be intriguing to see what sort of impact it has. I haven't seen, anecdotally, I haven't seen a lot of uptake of seltzer drinking from Quincy and so on, um, having a chat to Dan at Otters very briefly uh, said Ray had sold okay but it was more curiosity and that Ray is Hop Nation's line from memory yep. of yep. hard seltzers um, it will be interesting to see if there is a big uptick for it and my prediction my very bold prediction which I'm going to make now is that it will but it will take time and I think it will come in the form of brew pubs embracing it as an alternative to beer for people who don't drink it instead of you know having a crappy wine list or whatever black hops is certainly embracing that concept saying it will be their permanent 
non-beer addition to their menu along with their cider. And I think we'll see a lot more of that. Because um, you know when you go and you see Aperol spritzes and stuff at all the brew pubs? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it will fit into that mold. And I, I think over time it will grow and there'll be a demand for packaging. But I think early on, I, I don't think there'll be massive sales. That's just sort of... Um, that is a completely... Of the craft know, ones or of White Claw? Of all of them. Of okay. All of them. I, I think seltzer uptick will take a while in Australia. Um, I think there'll be certain people who will identify quickly, but I think overall, just from what I've seen so far, I don't know if the market is there immediately, and I think it will take time, but it may explode when it does take off. I reckon they'll throw huge marketing dollars and White Claw will explode. Um, but probably the White Claw will be the one that explodes and all the other ones are sort of there. I'm not sure if they will become permanent. It'll be interesting. I sort of, yeah, I, I think I can see potential for it in like the format I said it as a brew. Yeah, thing, I, I, kind of I can it. too, but I hadn't, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. It's, um, it's yeah, a brave new world. Um, hopefully we don't have good seltzer week in three years time instead. We can only pray. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually haven't, I've basically tried none of them, so... I'm very I, useful in that regard. I don't know if you've tried many. No, I've had, I think, a Quincy. Yeah, and you, you had some White Claw in America, which we've discussed in the podcast previously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we won't talk about that. God, it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> Quin- Quincy Quincy is less sweet than White Claw, from what I hear. Quincy is not offensively sweet, unlike White Claw. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's sort of, it's interesting when they call it seltzer and it's more like lemonade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to touch on with the uh, whole seltzer thing? Not really. I think I, the one thing I find interesting is that they're all, all the craft breweries aren't calling them like Hop Nation Seltzer. They're making them in separate brands. Yes, that is really interesting. And I wonder if it is both to distance them from beer and also to give the brewery some leeway. Like, you know, this isn't, Hop Nation is not a seltzer brewery. This is a different thing. Um, but also so the consumers will look at it and say, oh, this isn't made by, you know, this isn't a brewery thing. It's not going to taste like beer. So it yeah, kind well, of I, a I think that's I think. it. I think that's it. It's dis- distinguishing it from the brewery so that the sort of target market of seltzer is people who don't like beer. And I think also, yeah, so the, the craft community who perhaps know the breweries but aren't as like tuned in will probably not look at it and be like, oh God, they're doing seltzer. They're clearly not a real brewery or whatever. Yeah. Other dumb thoughts will no doubt come out. Um, on to some other things. I don't really have a good segue. It seems to be a common theme. Uh, the AIBA results this year are out, apparently. Uh, you picked up on this. I totally missed it. It was a week or so ago now. Yeah. And so it was an odd format. Thing? <laughs> yeah, sort of an isolation festival. 150 AIBA exhibitors put in votes. Is that that's what, what that's what I heard as well? Um, and the results, I'd probably like to know who the exhibitors were. <laughs> that would be more fascinating, and I would like to have heard more of like uh, even the category of them. Is this past winners? Is this just whoever the hell would do it? Is this large, small? Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's good they're doing it. Um, the show must go on and all that. Um, and well, they had to do yeah, something. I, I think that is true. Yeah, and it's good. It's good for the 
I, I like how they sort of did it. I don't know. So they've done awards since 2012. Is that when I don't know what the significance of that is? I'm not sure either. I couldn't quite work that one out. Because I wonder if they changed the format then. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, I think the yeah. AIBA is one of the longest running international beer awards, like 40 years or. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say you're probably right, um, unless it was just completely arbitrary and they flipped coin. Um, the results are pretty interesting. Um, a lot of majors, like players, winning awards, but that is not unusual for the AIBAs. No, because you're uh, really you're playing to the masses at some yeah, level. Yeah, and you're playing to style, style a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which the majors tend to do quite well. Um, so well, they're quality, few, be- I mean, they're quality brewed products is the first thing, and then you just enter them in the right category, which is craft's biggest problem is getting it in the right category. Yeah, I would like to run through these quickly with you. I know there's a few yep, of them. Um, yeah, let's go. But well, um, just because they're all pretty interesting in their own way. Yeah. Um, so best champion brewery, Australian brewery since 2012 was Four Pines. Yep. They, they love Four Pines at the IRBA. Um, Always I have. I disagree with that, but that's, you know, fine. Personal preference, I think. Like, Four Pines yep. do occasional nice beers. I think their core range is a bit middling, but, you know, well, they're, they're to well style. And well regarded in the industry. Yeah, they're, they're to style. Uh, Brewer's Choice Best Champion Australian Beer it was a tie between, well, it's actually, I think this is Package and Draft looking at this, so it's two separate things. They yeah. didn't really make it clear. Um, Alpha Pale Ale by Matilda Bray Brewing Company, which is great. That's sort of an, an AIBA, you know, regular, and that Beer probably see favorite. more of that. <laughs> yep, and whenever they reopen, they, or open that venue, sorry, they um, probably see some more of that kicking around. And also the Schwartz Beer by Four Pines, which was the draft one, and that one last year. Yep, and after saying they make, Bad beer, that's a really good beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they make some really good beer, and that one is a very good one. Yeah, that Kellador series often produces good beer, actually. And that's, I guess that's how a lot of it goes with these bigger breweries. That's where the brewers actually get to you know, stretch their muscles a bit. Um, best collab beer since 2012 was We Do It for the Passion Fruit. I have never had this before. Stone and Wood, Bolter, Green Beacon, and Pact. Yeah, I've never had this either. And just looking at the brewers, I'm guessing it was one of those um, uh, collabs they do between like the winner of the big brewery, medium brewery, small brewery. You know, awards. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. That would make a lot of sense looking yeah. at these people. Yeah. Uh, best IPA since 2012, Pulped Fiction. Yep, I love that In- beer. Interesting. That, yeah, that, great, great beer. That was the blood orange one from memory. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that that's a fun choice. Especially because they had the issues. I mean, they do specify a draft, but they did have the bottling issues with that from memory. Yep. Um, best champion lager, Moo Brew Pilsner. Yep. That's criminally underrated. Totally fine Pilsner. Yep. Yep. Uh, best champion pale ale, Bolster XPA. That's totally logical. Hard to argue with. Yeah. At least in terms of the popular vote. Yeah. Uh, best champion dark beers in 2012, the Schwartz beer by Four Pines, which makes a lot of sense. Yep. Best champion Euro-style beer, Summer Ale, by Mountain Goat. I know yeah. they call this an English pale ale, so I'm guessing that's where it comes from. I think so. That's my. That's the only thing I can, uh, you know, assume. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not. Well, pale ale. 
it went it won was it the World Beer Cup or something in gold? The English in English pale ale a while ago. It just doesn't seem like an English pale ale. Although I gotta admit I don't have a lot of English pale ales, so No. It no. just seems like an Australian pale ale, but that's fine. Um, it clearly must be to style, and it's probably the case that English and Australian pale ales just aren't that different, except for we use more Galaxy. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and we have said that before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, best champion other specialty beers in 2012, Throwback IPA, which is fun. Yeah, I'd love to have a fresh one. Haven't seen one for mm. year, probably years uh, now. <laughs> I'm sure they, sure they exist. Uh, yeah, best maybe in the CUB warehouse. <laughs> Yeah, sitting there for six months until they get shipped out. Uh, best champion design, Bastard Child, Children of the British Empire by Four Pines. Yep. I have no idea what it looks like. That was, they were a 500ml four-pack, uh, four I think, and they would like different pale ales. I think there was an Australian one, an English one. That's a fun concept, I would like to. Yeah, it was that. a while ago. Yeah, I guess, yeah, but that's, that's a cool concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember the design being particularly interesting, but anyway. <laughs> Maybe the t- design encapsulates the thinking behind Maybe. the four yeah. pack and so on too. Yeah. Best Australian BNA member, Furphy. Nope. Which yeah, Australian dumb. brewery has <laughs> has posted the best social media content? Bolter. Bolter sure. have some fun. They had some fun videos for a while. Yep, they're better than Frenchies. Thinking about COVID nineteen, which Australian breweries made the best of a bad situation? Four Pines Home Delivery Service. This seems uh, pandering to the majors a little bit. Yeah, CUB sponsored because basically every brewery is doing home delivery. Yeah, and I would think there are some pretty interesting things being done with home delivery, and I have would not have thought of Four Pines, but you know, I would more guess power to that them. more people are doing inter- more interesting stuff than Four Pines. Yeah, I think that's generally a safe bet. I don't mean to shit on Four Pines because I do quite like. Them. But um, I guess I'm just kind of... It's not super exciting. I think it's just showing who voted here. I think there must be a lot of CUB or CUB-adjacent people <laughs> in yeah. this uh, um, voting panel. And best beer industry personality is um, Tina Panoutsis, who is the Associate Director of Beer Knowledge at Carlton and United. She is in the Pink Boots uh, Society. She hosts sort of sensory sessions, and she's like a quote-unquote professional beer taster, which I guess is a Cicerone. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like, yeah, she is well-liked. and Yeah, I've met her. She's um, nice. <laughs> Knows her good. stuff as well. well that, yeah. Yeah, you, you would expect so. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's... I mean, the awards are interesting. They, uh, there is, like we said, a lot of pandering to the majors, but uh, some pretty cool stuff in there and some names I haven't heard in a while. I really like the Alpha shout-out. Yeah, it's good to see Alpha uh, get the recognition anyway. it deserves. <laughs> yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I guess any final thoughts on that? Or I think, yeah, I, I, I think it's a bit odd, like that the AIBA went with that. Because um, what, two of them are still independent? Yeah, yeah, and that's like stretching it a little bit. That's including Pacted and Stone and Wood and stuff, I assume. Well, Pacted are gone. In that. Oh, okay. Pact well, I guess if you, yeah. if you're, if you if uh, die, you can't sell out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I'm glad it still went ahead. It's kind of like, you know, Oscars or the AFL or whatever. It'd be weird if you missed it here. Yeah. 
Yeah, show has to go on, but it's just a bit weird. Exactly. The, the end result's a bit weird more than anything. Speaking of big companies, uh, Coles versus Beer Drop. This is a, a bit of a weird one. Coles protecting their old Wine Drop trademark, which hasn't been in use for a long time. And uh, this is, I, I don't know exactly, it's a small place doing a Beer Drop thing. Uh, you may have more information on this. I think they're like one of these home delivery ones, sort of like Hopster Home or one of those. Yeah, and so they've made a subscription service called Beer Drop. Coles have said, hey, we had something called Wine Drop, which we didn't really use five to ten years ago. It's still our trademark. This is too close. Coles will win this because they have more money. I guess it's just interesting in terms of, yeah. It is how, trade- just- it's how trademark law is set up in Australia, though, that you have to defend your, own, yeah. your, your marks. Um, if it I goes- guess I just find it weird that... You know, if it was called Wine Drop, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The problem is that they also sell beer. (laughs) So they're sort of hoping to keep beer drop in case they want to use it down the track would be my guess. Yeah. Or just to be dicks. That's fair enough. Because, you know, they do that as well. Their lawyers have to do something. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, And and like you said, it's how the law is set up. They can. Just an interesting one. It's very much... uh, And I'm sure this will get settled and it will change to supply drop or something. And, you know... The show will go on. Well, if he's got money, he might win, just because when did Coles last use it? Because you've got to use your marks, I think, previous within three years. I was... It wasn't. wouldn't have been the last three years. Yeah. Um, I was having chats to people at Coles, and none of them could even remember what it was. Yeah. I don't know if it even got used much. Yeah, I, I heard that it hadn't. I The only thing that I heard was that they had trademarked their style of, like, marketing and, like, point-of-sale imagery as being like a drop uh, oh, it is okay. all drop shaped yeah um and so but i would have thought that would fall under a different trademark because this is pretty specifically about the wine drop subscription thing that they may or may not have ran at some point in time yeah uh i don't know it's getting into the weeds a little bit too much but if anyone knows if anyone ever subscribed to wine drop let us know yeah <laughs> this may not be <laughs> the uh, media for that <laughs> yes yeah just just in case uh so Speaking of companies who are having a bit of success at the moment, because uh, Coles' the sales are up a bit, that's a good segue. <laughs> um, Range sold out in 10 minutes on their second birthday. Yeah, and, and I think everything except the session was gone in three minutes. Yeah, and uh, the yeah their, their sours have been kicking around a bit, but they're, even they're going to, I mean, their next release. I uh, remembered to do it at about 12.20 on last Friday. And even then, I knew that it was too late when I looked at my phone, but they were all gone then too. So it was the following week after the birthday. Um, So things are going pretty well at range. Um, The meltdowns have been predictable and enjoyable. Very entertaining, a few of them. Yeah, it's starting to feel a lot like America. It is, isn't it? Especially with Mountain Culture and Mr. Banks having similar online success. I think it is, like you said, in person. It's just the amount of time and, you know, if you're still employed, disposable income because you're not going out and things, you probably have a lot more of both than you would have before. And it just becomes acquiring these things a higher priority and sort of more realistic. Well, there's no pressure at, when you're working from home to be to not be on the range website at 11.55. <laughs> yeah, you can, still be, you can still be working and F5ing at the same time. Yeah, there's just no sort of social pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm happy for range. Uh, I think 
realistically, this is just going to be something they have to deal with going forward in terms of dealing with people melting down and so on. Yeah. But, you know. It's good for them at the end of the day. You know, everyone, yep. everyone and, wants their beers. They can't make enough. That's a good thing. Yep. And their beer is apparently fantastic. I may have had like one of their things. I, yeah, yeah. couldn't even say, but I'm, I'm willing to bet they're pretty bloody good. Yeah, same. Especially with uh, Mountain Culture and Mr. Banks being in a similar spot. Yeah, which is great for both of them too. Uh, we will discuss Mountain Culture more shortly. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, Bonsai Brewing, uh, near my old haunt in Queensland, made the worst beer vlog for conspiracy nut posting, and Frenchie's probably an even more egregiously poor use of our social media. Didn't make worst beer vlog, but as you say on the podcast notes we got here, they probably weren't far away. They might have escaped purely because it happens too often, you know, with what they did. <laughs> You know? Yeah, they, they were quick as well, by the sounds of it. They did get rid Deleting. of it, I think, within an hour. So Frenchies uh, went with a hashtag of show us your puppies, and it had sort of probably the expected result. <laughs> yeah, bag, fake guy wearing one of those Latex. 1980s boob apron things, yeah. looking things. We had uh, a man. Uh, we had a man with his t- nipples out. Yeah, the- because ha ha guys have boobs too, and then a fairly tasteful shot of a woman with a beer can in front of yeah, and a boob. and in fairness, that's all she does on her Instagram. It's all that you know. It was it was no different to normal, and that's totally fine. I don't have an issue with that. It's more the hashtag and the it's just cringe. It's so dumb that they auto posted them to their stories. It's just so dumb. Mm. <laughs> there's there's no nothing no potential for anything good to come of that. No, do not use this function people it's it, especially a business it just can't end well it. like yeah. it just can't nightmarish and then uh, bonsai, bonsai well. yeah <laughs> well nobody really knows who bonsai is so that helps that helps because they're a uh, small brew pub out what inland from noosa pretty much yeah yeah so gimpy way um yeah so in a bit um trying to think of how to describe this in layman's terms but basically where the towns become further apart start becoming further apart so it's a nice part of the world that's the one positive we can say yeah beautiful part of the world um and yeah when we looked it up it was literally you know five kilometers from where i grew up and it is beautiful out there and it would be honestly an amazing place to have a brew pub um so scenic out there but you know maybe not this brew pub no you'd probably hope for one that doesn't just spout 5g conspiracy stuff on their yeah i mean the funny thing it's very ambitious because as if country queensland is even gonna get 5g in the next 20 years (laughs) nothing to worry about mate put your feet up (laughs) but yeah very silly and i guess self-sabotaging businesses are a cautionary tale and an endless source of amusement and please don't do this kind of thing please anyone keep it to your personal accounts yeah you social accounts private yeah, look, if you can believe what you want to believe. You can post silly things, but uh, yeah, keep it private, keep it personal. Don't hurt your business. Yeah, or hurt your business, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> if you want to, if you're yeah. that cooked, maybe destroy your business. Yeah, it's your business. Go for it. They have actually uh, deleted fo- it now, which is interesting because it was up for days. Bonsai. Yeah. It was- mm. That's uh, that is interesting. Um, I would like to hear the rationale. 
but I would I have thought that... the damage is done. <laughs> yeah, and well, I mean, probably more people looking at it than they ever did before. That's yeah. All publicity is good publicity, and all that. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, look, if I was passing them, I might stop in and grab a beer. I just would keep the topic firmly away from. Firmly on beer. Oh, just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, just probably not have any conversation. Yeah. One of those things, mate, would be about as far as it went. No, but like, it is—it is a pretty part of the world, and like, yeah, it's um. Try not to write people off for being morons, but it's very easy. Um, finally, CO two shortages were discussed last week. You mentioned on the last podcast that they weren't really a thing in Australia. That well, sorry, you thought they weren't a thing in Australia. Yeah, um, and they're not confirmed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the US basically gets all of its CO two from uh, petroleum production, um, which is yep. obviously down with no one going to work. Um, yep. uh, but ours is pretty split between petroleum, national gas, ammonia, and ethanol production. And so basically what that means is that farming's still going and mining's still going. So agriculture and mining save us again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The story of Australia. Yeah. That's good though. Good to hear. Don't worry people. You'll, you won't have flat beer. Yeah. Beer will still be carbonated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and we're going to bring back the tasting paddle just for a few last little bits of news here. Um, we have, you're going to have to go, go guide us through all of these, Angus. I'll, I'll read them out and you can tell us what they're about. Yep. Uh, CUB have doubled their for the love of your local. I don't know what this is. That was the thing. I think they pledged like a million bucks or something like that. Basically people could buy a beer from their local like in advance and CUB would give them the money and the beer basically to help the public catch flow and yep. keep them going. I remember that now. You did mention that. I'm pretty sure you mentioned it on the podcast. Uh, possibly. Um, but yeah, basically that, they've doubled that to $2 million. So that's good. good on. Yep. Yeah. Keep the local pub. <laughs> yeah. Must have bought all those votes at the IRBAs. No, good on them. <laughs> that, that's, really, that's really great. Um, and it's always good to see the majors supporting small businesses because in the end the pubs are kind of what keeps them going as well. It's a... You know, it's a good relationship. Uh, the SIECB purchase deal passes the FIRB's inspection. Yeah. The watchful Eye. Uh, Foreign Investment Review Board. Um, it was always a formality, but uh, because ASAHI is not a criminal organisation. Um, but yeah. Just, so they say. That's now, it, that deal's done for all intents and purposes. ASAHI just need to pay. And that's, then CUB will be owned by the Japanese. Interesting times ahead. Probably exactly the same times, to be honest. We won't even notice. I don't think anyone will notice. <laughs> uh, beer Swag Day has been and gone. That was last weekend. Yep, last weekend. Um, the initiative by the Crafty Pint um, and apparently lots of brewers that I've spoken to um, sold a lot more merch in the lead-up. So, again, good for cash flow, good for the industry. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it, it's sort of, again, like taking a leaf out of, you know, using Triple J's Hottest 100 to kick off uh, Hottest 100 beers and using Oz Music Merch Day. Yeah. Uh, yep, to a beer swag day. And it does similar things. Uh, they pushed Oz Music Day forward this year and there was a lot of merch, extra merch being sold, which probably helped them out. And um, yeah, I think it's a good idea. It just makes a lot of sense and it's fun to show off Yeah, Everyone has brewery stuff, so they may as well show it off. Yeah, it's funny because, I, I mean, we probably both have so much. I didn't actually get around to it. <laughs> Not a deal. Organising anything. But it's a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're comfortable enough in the amount of crap we have lying around our house. We don't need to show everyone else. Uh, Cooper's <laughs> no malt, ex- 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't need to see how much we've spent on useless brewery crap. Uh, Cooper's malt exports up to 35,000 tonnes a year, mostly across Southeast Asia. Yep. Um, I thought that was interesting because they only use about 1,000 yeah. tonnes in their own brewery and their homebrew kits. So, so two this, and a bit tonnes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Cooper's malt is very highly regarded uh, generally. Yeah. You even see a lot of the, the more crafty breweries using it. And yeah, good on them. That, that's interesting. It's, it's an interesting part of their business and it does kind of keep their sort of grounded side at the forefront. Yeah, it's interesting how they're sort of diversifying into that, uh, into the malt side of things when they're losing market share. Yeah, and I, I like that they're sort of trying new things. I mean, I don't think Cooper's ever going to go away, but um, it's good. No, it would be good to still have them. <laughs> good to have them big, I think, just for the beer industry in Australia. Yeah. Um, that's that does news. That does a very lengthy news segment. Yeah, this uh, is going to be, be a back. long one, everyone. <laughs> yeah, strap yourselves in. Uh, we'll be back shortly with what we're drinking. are back with what we're drinking uh we've been drinking quite a bit as a lot of people have i'm sure uh you have got king river brewing's uh subscription pack or is it pack or just a bunch of packs it's a club like i think you get a delivery sort of every quarter with a slab of whatever they've got going yep um very reasonably priced pretty good beers yeah um, I've only had a, uh, one or two, but um, enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah. So this one had three uh, wet hop um, pale ales, which were quite interesting because they were quite malty. But... I like how the wet hop... Yeah, I had the wet hop ones and they uh, were... Sorry, I had one or two of them and they... I like how they were bigger body yeah. than your average one. It's not just like a really light malt base. They're sort of big they were malt base, big wet hop. I think all of them. Yeah, yeah. Fairly sturdy beers. Yeah, I really like them. Uh, they had a couple of their triple in there, uh, a pale ale, and I'm sure there was something else. You said it was quite good value. Ah, oh, the fig porter, the fig porter, oh, yes, which is yes. one of my favorite. Yeah, one of my favorite beers from last year on the on the trip around Victoria. I'm yet to have that, but um, I am looking forward to it. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and yeah, I think it's about seventy five bucks delivered or something. So, really good value. Yeah, and good to support a small brewery that you were quite hot on last year during year of local. Yeah, yeah. If I ever finish, when I finish that and do like my wrap up bits, they're going to be in the top ten. I'd be shocked if I not they didn't make it. More good beer is good. Yeah, speaking of good beer, uh, Mister Banks Idaho Fields, following on from Citra Fields, which we we're, were very high on, and um, this time we've both had Idaho Fields. I reckon it's one of the best beers I've had this year. Yeah, look, I, which is a big call considering it's a Nipa. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I would say that too. It's certainly, yeah, an incredibly well crafted one of those. It's definitely also the first Idaho Seven um, single hop beers I've had. Yeah, me too, and it, it, you get the feel of Idaho Seven really well. Yeah, a lot of pineapple, which was. Yeah, I got some sort of like melony, lychee sort of things too. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed um, that. And for eight and a half percent, that's a mm. in the big can as well. Yeah, and we've talked about that before. 
anyway. Because they can. I suppose. They are fun. Yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> and if the beer is that good, you're not going to be sad that you have 500 mils of it. No, no. Just got to remember not to uh, drink a couple of them while cooking. It's... Yeah, don't put, yeah, don't, don't drink it offhandedly. Like, it's got to be something you focus on. You can't just, yeah. be, can't be your sipper beside you. No. <laughs> um, what can be a sipper beside you is Hop Nation's Melbourne Fog, which I think we briefly touched on. Uh, we've now both had it. I ordered a 12-pack, and it arrived very quickly. It's very nice. Um, great little hazy pale, and yeah. Don't have tapes to say it. No, neither do I, but we've both expressed our loves for hazy pails. Yeah, at least in terms of like being a session sort of beer, it's a great... And it, that this is a really good one. You get so much of the full-strength Nipah character in And it's 4, 4.2% or something. Yeah, yeah, very smashable, very enjoyable, um, you know, delivered nice and fresh. Uh, get your hands on some if you can. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's one I'd keep my eye out for in like a twelve pack or something like that. Yeah, always good to have in the fridge. You won't be sad that you have any. No, no one will complain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, few Tallboy and Moose ones. You wanted to discuss Ursa Major first. Oh, yeah, because how good is it having another brown ale in cans? Yeah, big cans. Yeah, four forty mil cans. Um, there, and it's like because it's a brown ale, you can quite easily have it as your last beer of a night and not feel bad the next morning. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, it's very solid brown ale. I quite enjoyed that. Um, we had- yeah, I've had that a couple of times, like, watching the soccer late at night from whichever far-flung place will let me uh, watch live stream sport. there. Yeah, watch live sport. Yeah. Uh, we had a few other tall boys. The Fang, which I thought nice and fruity, but perhaps lacking a little oomph. I thought, yeah, beer. I thought another percent, another percent of alcohol and that would have been a a better beer it's just a little thin and touch more bitterness maybe too just uh, yeah, yeah needed a bit of everything but uh quite nice regardless uh, i also had the um the royal fang which is the one they added earl grey to oh yeah uh and the sort of tannic quality of the tea really um brought out a bit of that malt sweetness that i thought was lacking in the original one yeah bergamo plays well with malt and hops so yeah yeah that makes yeah, sense was... um we also had itty sticky which was their Midstream accession IPA. Yep, and that was a great call. Yep, um, grassy passion fruit, good bitterness for whatever it was three three and a half. Yeah, probably. I think it was the standard three and a half. I liked it more the more I had of them. Yeah, not necessarily because I was getting more drunk, but it was more just because you, you kind of your palate adjusts to the feel it of it. Yeah, and, and it, it is a really well made little midi. Um, I really enjoyed that. We had uh. Bangkok Nights as well, which was a dark lager. Yeah, dark ale maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. It was just it was a nice little dark beer, bit of kefir lime and lemongrass. That, that's always terrifying when you say that on the ingredient sheet because you're like, oh god, it's going to be a bomb. But this was really subtle and really nice, and I hadn't actually had a subtle kefir lime and lemongrass beer before, so good on them. Well, those guys know how how to. Uh you know, dose things. Yeah, yeah, luckily. Um, because, yeah, that's very easy to overdo, one of those flavours. That, that oh, yeah. worked really nicely. Uh, we had Pink as Pink, which was a grisette of theirs. Did not think much of that, personally, but uh, it was pink. Yeah, no, fun- no funk, bit of yeah. fruit. Crisp, you know, 
pretty easy drinking, uh, nothing to write home about. But uh, we also had some Sunray in cans. Sunray is a cool little XPA, probably a little bit underrated. I feel like if they pushed it out in cans, if, I know they can't quite do the volume, but um, it's certainly a, a lot of mainstream potential. Yeah, it's it's very much in that sort of bolter range of, you know. And chatting to them, I think they quite know a few that. Days. Yeah, and that's what it's there for. Like, I think that and the cream ale are their only two core beers. Yeah, they did say that, yeah. And that's... um. Um, and that's what it is. It's it's this is the beer targeting the bolter drinker, whereas the cream ale's the one targeting your CUB drinker and And it plays to their strengths too because their their best strengths are that they do extremely rapidly rotating weirder stuff. Um yeah. or not necessarily weirder even, but just, you know, fresh um all over the place, do whatever they feel like, and they're really good at that. Um so two core range beers makes a lot of sense. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't mind trying that cream ale in cans if you're gonna do it at some stage. That'd be... Yeah, I assume they will do it at some point if they've canned Sunray. Yeah, that'd be so a bit of fun. We'll, we'll have to hit Dan up and see if we can get some. Yeah. Uh, mountain Culture, all, all good stuff here. Um, I spoke about receiving the package from them last time. You also got some of their beer this time from Carwin. Yep, I popped into Carwin randomly on a Sunday to buy some wine uh, for Lizzie. And uh, yeah, um, full range of <laughs> Mountain Culture beers. Forgot to, forgot to buy wine, came out with bunch of mountain culture no, did buy one yeah did no, buy one just just joking um but yeah no we both very impressed with their lineup yeah i've had a bit of a i've had a mixed good mix of styles and yeah i've, I've liked all of them they've been really good little uh what do i have moon dust which is a um just a five percent stout yep or low fives they're muzz yeah which is awesome like it's good to see the proliferation of these multi-air lagers in Australia. Such now. good cold weather beer. Yeah, and that was that was dangerously drinking. Like if you had a four pack of that, it just would have gone. <laughs> um, and they're sort of pa- famous paperwork? for their hazies, and yeah, and so you had paperwork. Yeah, yeah, their new New World Pale Ale, which is just what you and I were talking about about um, Melbourne Fog, about how good those those beers are. And uh, you had Double Red as well, which. I found what thought was the pick of the stuff I got from them. It's the pick of the ones I've had so far. I've still got a status quo that I've got to try, uh, which I think they're core range neighbor. Yeah, uh, I think it's, yeah. I think, like I said to you per, in person, um, I think it is a New England pale as well. It's like five and a half percent. It's pretty cruisy. Um, but if they call it a Nipa, then sure. Well, you, you sell a lot, not more, a lot more by calling it a Nipa rather than a hazy pale. That is true. That is true. Uh, yeah, mountain culture though, uh, great. Like I'm really impressed. Definitely, completely gone on my radar. One I will be following closely. Yep, same, same. And that double red being their core, their star makes sense c- considering he's the ex modus brewer. Yes, yeah, it's actually a funny thing, it isn't it? Like it's, um, I reckon it's it's not far off former tenant in terms of quality. It's not quite the same aggression, but it's they're both really bloody good beers. I haven't had a former tenant for a while, but I've heard um, from a few people that it's dropped off for quite a bit since he left. So I'm interested to go and find one. Might be time for another blind red ale tasting, red IPA tasting. Oh, oh, wasn't that fun. Yeah. Last <laughs> uh, lastly, you wanted to shout out Steve. Yeah, um, Steve from the Sunday Sesh sent us a message um, about Deeds' Kapurkava again. Wonderful. 
That's because we, we have to mention we need every to, podcast. Exactly, we have to mention every podcast. Um, he found a cam and he got a dud, which is a bit unfortunate. That's a real shame. Uh, please don't let that deter you, Steve. Our our recommendations are normally better than that. Well, I think the recommendation's fantastic. It's a real shame he got a dud, but uh, it's a ripper of pills. Yeah, it's awesome. And now they just need to brew it again. Yep, yeah, go get some Silent Hunter from Foreigner if you want a pills fix. That'll that'll fix you up. We'll sort you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we should also, just on, on the pills front, uh, we had some Burnley pills last week, last Thursday, and first post-apocalyptic catch-up, um, ripping pills. Yeah, so good. Better than I remembered it was. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, and the Hells was good as well. Yes, very good. Uh, and yeah, I think that just about does us for what we're drinking, but we've got a bit of a new segment, because that's what we need with a... Um, an epic podcast is to throw another new segment in. Well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, and what does a podcast with so many segments that can't fit them all in every week do? Yeah, exactly. We're here for a long time, <laughs> not a good time. So we're doing a brewery deep dive segment, unnamed as of yet. And essentially, we want to do this with Range originally. Um, there's a few others I want to do it. I want to do it with Bacchus. Um, we discussed a couple others too. There's a few on the list. We've got Euradler. The yep, Adelaide yep. Um, Brew Pub. Um, we wanted to do... Your mates have been there. We wanted to do Artisan, yep. which is the WA one. And we're going to do Maddox. We have got those beers. Yes. Um, for when this all opens up properly. Yeah. So it's basically... The idea is basically we just... A brewery that you hear a lot about or that we're really interested in, we just grab all the beers of theirs we can and give them a go. Basically. Um, so we've chosen your mates just because it's one of those ones, you know, couple of years, seeing the hottest 100 everywhere, uh, Larry top five this year, four beers in the hottest 100. And there will be the four we'll be discussing more in and depth. And they were very conveniently selling a mixed pack of them. Yeah. A, a 16 pack of the four different beers. So we could have two each of each one, which is, yeah. Thumbs up to them. Thank you very much. Very reasonably priced. Very recently priced, actually. And, yeah, so your mate's interesting little story. Uh, it's a lot longer story than I would have... Um... Yeah, like, short in terms of time. Like, this has all been the last, you know, seven years, and they only released Larry in 2017. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's there. there is a lot going on there. Yeah, so basically they both quit their jobs with no... Um, brewing experience to start up a brewery. <laughs> yeah. Um, worked in a bar for a while, loved the scene, the craft scene, and saw no one brewing on the Sunshine Coast. So the, um, there's there's your Monday Brewery, Sunshine Coast Brewery. Your Monday Brewery's been bought out. Sunshine Coast Brewery is very dad beer. Not bad beer, but dad beer. Um, just a yep. little, yeah, editor's note there <laughs> from my experience. And there's now like 20 of them. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, these things <laughs> exploded. Yeah. It's exploded. When you're near a beach, um, these things come in waves. And basically, they then spent 18 months doing the essentials, learning how to brew, it working helps. on their branding yeah. and their marketing. And they've nailed the branding and the marketing. Yes, 100%. Um, started out contract brewing, brewed somewhere up in the far north of the Sunshine Coast that I can't remember the name of. Uh, settled at Four Hearts because they could um, you know, get the hot profile they were looking for. Yep. Uh, started looking to build their own facility, 
ended up on Shark Tank on the way through, didn't take the deal, <laughs> apparently presented quite well, got some finance out of that from other people who'd seen them on Shark Tank, uh, and ended up opening their facility in January 2019. So this is, uh, yeah, in in Nambo, which is sort of in the Kiwana area, which if you're from Queensland, you'll know there is a there's a huge sort of space for it there. It's, it's an industrial area, uh, a lot of younger people passing through that area there is um yeah it's it's a really smart place to put it cheap real estate it's um yeah good move from them and they were voted best new brewery in queensland last year after opening yep and uh then yeah larry finishes fifth (laughs) in the hottest 100 probably shoot shoot to fame in in the hottest 100 by uh, activating their their fan base, and that was a real, and that we saw like last year, uh, like we'll call it the you know the twenty nineteen count the twenty eighteen list. Mm. Uh, that was they finished quite high there too, uh, and we were all like, "What? Who are these people?" Yeah, so t- the twenty eighteen hottest one hundred, so the one in yeah twenty nineteen count. 20, yep, <laughs> yeah, that one. Uh, Larry actually finished thirteenth that year, and I didn't take as much notice of that as I probably should have. Well, I think there wasn't the four beers, was there? It was just was it just Larry or was it Larry? Larry and was thirteenth, and Donny snuck in at ninety three. Yeah, which is about where it finished the, this year as well, which is quite funny. Ninety nine this year. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, you've you've got to you take a six foot drop for three of your beers to get into the hottest one hundred. Three of your other beers. Um, Absolutely. And one to move up to five. But uh, it, their, their marketing campaign is very interesting. We discussed this in the past on the news segment um, and the Hottest 100 podcast from memory. Uh, yeah. We did discuss their targeted marketing of Larry, having their little YouTube video, little ad campaign based entirely around Yari. Larry. Uh, very smart. Um, the cans are, you know, they kind of remind me of, uh, I do not mean any offense to Bonehead by this, but they're like Bonehead done well. Um, very character-based, uh, sort of like, this kind of hand-drawn art style. I feel Bonehead's a little clunky at times. Um, I think the beer is quite good, but I think Your Mates nails it a little bit more. It's, it's the same sort of idea, and Your Mates have just done it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I, I am a fan of Bonehead, so I don't mean any offense. It's just purely from a marketing point of view. Um, I think Your Mates have really nailed it, and they've really nailed the sort of Queensland, what Queensland's goes for, especially Sunshine Coast. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I mean, we've... Had I mean, we sort of had their beers now, um, and well, we're having had... So we're going to talk about... So I'm having my first Larry now. Yes, me too. Uh, so we might as well talk about Larry first. Yeah. Um, well, it came fifth. This is the reason... This beer is the reason we're talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> so from 13th to 5th, uh, their first canned beer in February 2017, as we said. Um, so yeah, this was brewed originally at the... Uh, Melanie facility at McLeod's. Um, yep. This is where the first cans came from. Uh, and this is just their sort of core range parallel. And first impressions are it's pretty good. Yeah, I like it. I've got this weird sort of melony thing going on. It's very bultery. Um, it is. But it's that's a little not less a bad bitter, I think. I'd be interested in what the hops are. I reckon there's probably, you'd say there's a galaxy or a mosaic, surely. Yeah. I was looking on the can for that, as you said that, and I can't find it. It's not the kind of brand that would do that, I don't think, somehow. No, no, they're definitely not targeting the 
super craft consumer. Yeah, um, but it's a nice. It's just a. It, there is like a, yeah, there is like a bit of an interesting sort of tropical twist on there. There's a little bit of a herbal note on there. Just a nice, clean, very golden sort of XPA cum pale ale. One of those beers you buy a case of and you'd be very happy with it. Yeah, look, I would look. I would incredibly easily take a sixteen of this somewhere. It's something everyone would enjoy. Yeah, no one's going to be offended by this. I'm going to enjoy it enough. Yeah, I think it's just it's a it's a good ass little pale ale. Um, real one of those ones that, like you said, one that everyone can enjoy. It's a bolter. It's sort of a stone and wood. Craft beer drinkers will be happy to drink it. Uh, it will open the eyes of some people. Yeah, it's got a good hot presence. It does. It does. Um, it's that. Yeah, it is like very much that modern Australian XBA mold. It's almost two months old now as well. Just looking. Yeah, still holding up very nicely. I mean, let's let's be real. Two months is pretty fresh for the mainstream, um, like sort of oh, beer department stores. But <laughs> yeah, from from our point of view, where I mean, I, I don't know about you, but during quarantine, I feel like I've been drinking a lot of like week old stuff. Yeah, same. Uh, so yeah, so it's been hot. It, it's it's really nice. Um, uh, so Macca, the lager, finished at 79 in the count this year. It is a mid-strength, which I did not know. It is a Hellez, and I don't know if you're going to strongly disagree with me, but I reckon it kind of nails the Hellez brief pretty okay for a mid-strength. It's a Hellez. It's definitely a Hellez. The malt bill's right. A um, little bit of sweetness. That malt, mild, creamy mouthfeel. Yeah, that that's of, the one. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really nice little midi. I really like it. The amount of like shit a... Queensland midis that you have. This is a good one. Yeah. Like, this has got genuinely interesting malt bill, good hot presence, and it's, it's bang a... on one standard. And it's a Hellas, and it's a mid-strength, and it's, yeah. There's so much to like about it. Mm. Um, for, a, for a core range lager and for your core range mid-strength in one, it's cool. That beer would dominate in Queensland summer. <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like it's forex with flavor yeah but uh yeah no impressed with that uh should we do dark or the ipa next what's what takes your fancy let's do dark seeing as you had it earlier yeah yeah so uh hashtag donny dark Owl, which is uh donny that was 93 to 99 yeah uh, in terms of hottest 100 placements um still good to see it on there obviously got enough love from a small but vocal sort of segment of their audience well, I imagine quite a bit of their audience votes for all. Yeah, true. Um, I'd like I'd like to think there's like you know a few real diehards for it. Yeah, um, I yeah, think same. you're right. Same. But yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon there's a lot of your mates diehards more than. Yes, I else. agree. Um, probably a lot of people who wouldn't be voting in the hottest one hundred otherwise. Yeah, that's that's my thought on how they get where they get. Um, but yeah, uh, Donny is nice. I like the little the subtle smokiness. The the smokiness is what I think sets it apart from other dark ales. Like it's, you know, it is what it is. It's it's just good a roast. solid good dark ale. Like it's not a, you know world beater or anything, but it's it's real solid. Yeah, it's got everything you want. Bit of roast, little bit of caramel underneath, um, and then yeah. Um, so I'm I quite enjoyed that. Uh, the IPA Sally uh, very light sort of body, but. Really nice fruity I thought pops. it was thin. It was almost thin. Yeah, look, I, I can get around that. Um, I think it's still pretty solid, though. It reminded me of a scaled back crankshaft. Um, oh, yeah. 
fruitiness there, uh, sort of that like chilled out malt bill. But yeah, it's it's just lighter on everything. Good bit of bitterness. It's it's a fun beer. It's a fun little IPA. Yeah, and um, it, it's a good entry level IPA, I think. Yeah, I think that's where it is. I didn't like it at the start, but as I sort of sat on it a little longer, it, it grew on me. I reckon I'd like it as like a smashable sort of session beer, maybe um, not so much when you're sitting there wanting an IPA. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I think, where I was at, which um, never helps. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd say it was the worst of the four, but perhaps for what it was doing, perhaps the least impressive. Yeah, I, I could get around that. But I think all, all of them are quite good, very clean and well-made. Good sort of examples of what they're trying to do. And uh, you can see the popularity, like where it comes from, is pretty easy to see. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing offensive about that. Um, with their community, you'd get around that and there'd be people just local to it that think it's really good. Yeah. And like, I hope that, you know, this it's sort of a, a gateway for a lot of people, like we hope a lot of these breweries are. Um, and it's cool that they have a real quality... Brewery they can get around in Sunshine Coast, something for Nambour people to get around. They probably need it. And uh, also, yeah, I guess it's just good to have something on the Sunshine Coast. You know, the Gold Coast steals all the thunder in Queensland brewing. Yeah, well, Sunshine Coast had quite a good showing in the Hottest 100. Mm. They definitely did. Um, uh, I sort of feel like in terms of national recognition. Uh, national recognition, yeah. No, that's very fair. <laughs> um, just, you know, Black Ops and Bolter, it's very hard to compete. But yeah, your mates puts up a a good show, I think. Yeah, I, I'm I think more impressed than I expected to be with their beers. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to say they're pretty much exactly what I thought they'd be. But yeah, probably more consistent quality wise. And I reckon like the lager and the dark were probably better than I thought they'd be. Even Larry's yeah, th- probably a little bit better than I thought it would be. I I think all of them are just a little bit better than I thought they'd be. Yeah, and that's like you know that's that's praise. That's definitely praise. Um, so yeah, that, that was our first attempt at that segment. We'll sort of try to nail it in. Um, maybe do some more out there breweries, but, um, it's good to have tried your mates. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly happy that now we can talk about it with, if not authority, then at least some for knowledge. Yeah, some knowledge. And it's, it's definitely better than some other beers that consistently make the top 10. Yeah. Young Henry's. Um, (laughs) we will be back in a moment with the ranking of lugs. We are back with the ranking of lagers. Every podcast, we take three, at the moment, one lager and slot it into a master list, which at the moment, the top five is Pilsner Urkel of the Czech Republic, Tenants of Scotland, Carlsberg of Denmark, Kilmez of Argentina, and Kingfisher of India. In the top five and the bottom five is Karl of Vaco from Croatia, Singer from Thailand, Red Stripe from Jamaica, Vono from Fiji, and Kus Kenya from Peru in the ignoble final position. We are today looking at Indonesia, and we are looking at Bintang, because how could we not? And there's a bit of interesting history with this one. Yeah, the history is better than I thought um, this would be. Um, So Indonesia um, is a predominantly Muslim country, and have finally allowed a brewery in uh, 1928, I think they passed the law, that a brewery could be built. I was going to say that the history may be more intriguing than perhaps I had thought because it is a Muslim country, and this is an Indonesian beer. This is not like Malaysia has Heineken. This is, this is Indonesian, you know. 
Yeah, there, now there are some links to Heineken all the way along here. Well, well it's Southeast <laughs> which, Asia. In the end, there has to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they started construction of the brewery in 1929. First beers were pumped out in Surabaya, which I think is in Jakarta, uh, in 1931. Yep. Uh, it was originally called Java Beer. It was, although it was brewed by a company called the Netherlands Indisch Beer Brewerin, which is Netherlands Indonesian Beer Brewery. In yeah. Dutch. Can I just say that I like Java beer as a name? Yeah, I know. Bit of fun. It, it's better than Bintang, mm. which is, you know, sort of colloquially known as bin juice. Uh, so Heineken became the major shareholder in 1936. Um, and I think there's some sort of undertones that they may have effectively owned it for the five years previous. Um, yeah. It was briefly under Indonesian government rule in the 1960s after they nationalised a whole heap of stuff. Oh, that's that's Uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, they nationalised basically anything that was vaguely profitable. Um, And by 1967, they'd stuffed it up so much that Heineken bought it back quite cheaply. That, yeah, well, unfortunately also perhaps not super surprising. No, no. Um, and then in recent years, they've made a lot of moves towards low, alco- low alcohol stuff with Radlers and low ABV Bintang um, due to alcohol changes in Indonesia. I think it's illegal everywhere except Bali now. Yeah, essentially that, that was sort of what I've gathered. Um, I haven't been to Bali in a while, but um, that was kind of the prevailing feeling of what it was like. I have been to Jakarta a long time ago, but I think that is, yeah, that's generally how it works. Um, unsurprising. Yeah. In a Muslim yeah. country, to be fair. Um, and the the branding bears the red star of Heineken and all that sort of jazz. Oh, is that Heineken star? Uh, it's very similar. It's not exactly the same, but I think the reason they have a red star is because of Heineken. Then. Um, I had a question for you, which was... I had been thinking about a couple of times recently and been meaning to ask you. It seems like a perfect time because it's on the label here. Why hmm. do some countries... An E in Pilsner. Like Pilsener. I think, yeah, I think it's German versus Dutch spelling. Okay, cool. Because Pilsen in the Czech Republic is P-L-Z-E-N in Czech, which is P-I-L-S-E-N in English. Cool. So when we brew our next Pilsner, can we call it P-L-Z-N-E-R? Of course we can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just a bit of... uh, Just a... Surabaya, just uh, for accuracy's sake, is yep. in East Java, uh, roughly in between. It's on the same island as Jakarta, but it's closer to Denpasar in Bali. It's roughly, oh, okay. sort of roughly in between. And that original facility is still there. And as far as I can tell, it's still the biggest uh, producer of Bintang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So that's cool. Um, the original facility as is I, still there. As I said to you off mic, the Oxford Companion to Beer has a very sort of snide comment about that they also brew Guinness there. <laughs> when you look it up. <laughs> It, it's it Southeast Asian, uh, the, the sort of Heineken control of it, it's always interesting because Guinness is always quite popular. Yeah. Um, I wonder if it... Although they brew like low ABV Guinness, don't they? Like even Yeah, like... yeah. But it's, it's actually pretty pleasant from memory, uh, the, the couple I've had. Um, anyway, we have to get into the... That, that is pretty fascinating, um, all that stuff, uh, especially the government ownership. And, and Heineken. that's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um it smells awful. Um, head yep. is dissipates quickly. It's 
golden itch, but it's that, oh, it's that really, I don't know how to put it, but it's like that artificial, it's like in movies when they kind of like got an amber filter on things. It just doesn't look quite real. It looks a little dark, doesn't it? Mm. Um, it's just, yeah. It's like, it's just unpleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Unpleasant is the right word. It's like corn and cardboard is kind because it's not oxidized. Um. It's, it's like there's there's this sort of harsh bitterness to it. It's like not even bitterness, it's just like a burn on the back palate. Yeah. Um, these are imported as well, these ones. Mm. Mm. Um, I've also got a can here. I don't know why I do these things to myself sometimes, but <laughs> the can is slightly sweeter, but equally bad. That's, yeah. Um, well, I wish I had, yeah, more or nicer things I ha- to say. I have nothing positive to say. Yeah, there's not, <laughs> there's not a lot here. Um, I guess we'll do the thing where we talk about what it's like in the place. Um, have you been to Bali? I haven't been to Bali. I was going to say, it seems like you're, you're well-traveled enough that you probably wouldn't have been to Bali. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it does get, I mean, it gets points over there, but you know, like we said, that the whole point of this is to get it away from the natural environment. I think environment, I think I said to you, even when I'm over there, I don't really drink binte. Um, yeah. Uh, and if this is anything to go by, I'd be a void. Yeah. And like, and like bad beer can become good beer in the right light and it's cheap as, and but the thing is, it's like San Miguel light is a perfectly acceptable adjunct lager, whereas this and is... And that's the thing. And that's the thing. You can get San Miguel, but... Yeah. You can get our number 12 beer on the list, but, uh, yeah. I, I don't know, uh, placement-wise, do we, do we need to discuss this, or can we throw this around on air? I think we're probably we in can the throw, same ballpark. I think we can throw this around. It's definitely in the bottom five. <laughs> gut, gut feel. Uh, I'm not even really gut feel. I guess it's slightly educated. Um, below Red Stripe, above Vonu. I That's think, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, Red Stripe's bad, but... It's not this bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's not this unpleasant. Um, uh, and Vonu, that Vonu had issues. This whether has that, issues, yep. but this has issues. But it's not. It doesn't have any excuses. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, th- I think the Vonu was uh, had faults, whereas this doesn't have faults. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think this just sucks. Yeah, this is just shitty beer. Uh, and not even like shitty in the sort of like, oh, well, you know, Budweiser is such, is basically water. This is just like an actual bad liquid. Well, and that's always been the uh, philosophy of the lager segment on Beer O'Clock Australia. Just uh, if it's not offensive, it's, it's it's a pass sort of thing. This is. They're meant to be inoffensive. Inoffensive this is, is generally the goal. Uh, and unfortunately, this is probably offensive. Mine's going to, uh, the rest of mine's going to meet the sink. Yep, me too. Um, and that is unfortunate. Um, it must be said that we do not want beers to be bad on this. Um, and hopefully when we sit down together and do this again, we'll have some ones that end up at the other end of the table. Yeah, it's good to, got to take these off though. Um, it, they've got to be done at some point. It may as well be now. Exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that does us for lagers. Uh, 
Top five remains the same. New bottom five is Singer from Thailand. And, oh, I don't have to say Carla Baco anymore. Uh, <laughs> Red Stripe from Jamaica. Bintang slots in at 22. Uh, from Indonesia, Vonu from Fiji at 23. And 24 is Kus Kenya from Peru. I mean, be interesting to see. The top five has been pretty stable. They've been stable for a while. We need to... Uh... Have something good. But the thing is, we've tried. Uh, we had a couple where... We thought they would be contenders. Like Tusker, we thought would be a contender. Moretti, we were sure would be a contender. Yeah. Uh, Singer, I, I reckon, might close. have been an outside shout if you'd asked us beforehand. I wouldn't have thought maybe top five, but certainly not as low as it was. No, I think we said that at the time, that you always have that with good Thai food. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that does help things. Um, and this is the point. The point of the game is without food. Yeah, I mean, sort of just looking at the list, I mean, uh, Carl Lavaco, I would have thought would be higher. Um few nice little surprises in there but yeah i mean we do need we need some contenders and we'll get some we'll get some uh, just keep looking <laughs> uh, we're, we're just both going to go pour this in the sink and we'll be back with a new segment We are back with a new segment called da, 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 da. You haven't had It's basically we've had a couple of situations where gone check in a beer and be like, oh my god, I can't believe the other person hasn't had that. Uh, I think for me, one that was sort of particularly egregious was Cooper's Pale. And on a similar note, I checked into Cooper's Mild the other night and noticed that Angus in his four or five thousand beers. I forget what you're up to now. Lots. <laughs> yep, lots of beers had not checked in Cooper's Mild. And um, it's not particularly like, oh my God, I can't believe you hadn't had this. But, you know, we had this segment idea and we thought, let's kick it off. Because Cooper's Mild's probably something you should tick off at some point. Exactly. Um, I, I, when, I assume you've poured it. I have. And uh, put the yeast in and so on. I have. I, I just want to say this is uh, the best looking Nepha I've seen in a while. <laughs> it, it's impressively hazy. <laughs> It is hazy, isn't it? Um, I've got it in my speak aloud tulip, and yeah, there's absolutely no way I can see my fingers on the other side. Yeah. Of the glass. Um, so this is classic Coopers. This is Coopers Pale Malt. This is Coopers Yeast. This is Pride of Ringwood. This is this is Australia. Um, I so I just before I hear your thoughts, I'd like to say I have a pretty okay history. I think I've checked this beer in like ten times. It's a pretty go- oh really yeah I've checked in quite a bit. It's a pretty go to mid for me because you can find it in a lot of places where you can't find anything decent. Um, a lot of like country BWSs and stuff stock this. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I find it. I think the cans look really nice. I, do you have a can or I have a can. I think it's better from the can, but I also think that. Uh, Weirdly enough, the thinner malt base, I think, shows the very few desirable characteristics that Pride of Ringwood has, and I've always liked it for not just having dirty bitterness, and I just have a bit of a soft spot for it because I think it is a more interesting beer than it will ever get credit for from anyone else. Um, the the yeast is far more prominent than the hops, which is interesting. Yeah, but I sort of I think you get a bit of hop flavour almost, rather than like just that bitterness that you get from Pride. A um, bit of grass mm. that dirty grass from Pride of Ringwood but mm. it's sort of there a little bit more I think um, I don't know I think it is a, a very acceptable midi and probably like one of them this and the Dark Lager are sort of the two underrated ones in there I was slightly surprised by the colour when it poured 
out of the can. I thought this was like almost like a dark mild or something. Mm. No, I um, don't know what you'd call it. English pale? <laughs> yeah, basically. I think you're right. I mean, it's it's Mountain Goat Summer Ale. No, it's it's um, an English pale. I think you're right. Just a low alcohol English pale. There's actually a bit of bitterness. There is a little there. bit. Yeah. yeah. There's not nothing. I mean, that's what it has. I think I saw IBUs on the can. Yeah, 20, 21, 21 IBUs. Yeah. So like a bit. Not a lot. A bit. It's a really pretty can. All I, their cans I, are pretty. I love these cans. Um, yeah, uh, Cooper's is... Um, when we get the Golden Pints out in October, um, I... <laughs> Uh, just before we get the 2021 one out, um, I honestly, Cooper's is really in the running for best like branding just because I really like how these cans look. I just love the solid colours. They look awesome. They yeah. just look awesome. Um, and it's not even saying the beer is that awesome, but it's just they, they look great. Um, and now we just need uh, best extra stout in a can. and then I imagine those, those yellow and black cans would look so good too. <laughs> they would. They really would. A bit of uh, Ed Cooper's strong vintage ale in cans. Oh. Now we're talking. Even dark hailing cans, I'd get all around that. Yeah, so would I. This so, is actually really fun. I'm yeah, I was going to say, sorry, thoughts. Uh, I should waffle on. I'm, I'm going to buy more of these. That's a, And that's, I think, as high a praise as this beer can get. It's um, a good little midi, I think. There's good flavour there for 3.5%. Yeah. Um, no one's going to be offended by this beer. It's got that sort of Cooper... Cooper's yeast character, that distinctive fruitiness, um, as well as some... Um, not quite sure what's in the base. Like, maybe some wheat? Yeah. Um, it just has Cooper's Pale Malt. Okay. Um, it could just be the yeast beefing it up a bit. Yeah, I think it might be the the sort of char- the yeast character that I'm picking up. Um, but there's a good little bit of bitterness. I would drink quite a few of these, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, we often talk about the uh, Cooper's yeast not being super sessionable, but I think this it's totally fine in this beer. Yeah, it's definitely sessionable in, in this format. I think it's a good, decent body for a, a little midi too. It, it's full-bodied, I would have said. Like, I I don't think I'd pick it as a mid in a blind tasting. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair call. Um, yeah, I, I'm... Intrigued by it, actually. So, yeah, really I'm, intrigued I'm, by it. it sounds, um, sounds mostly positive. Yeah, I, I'm actually quite glad you uh, made me try this because I, I think it's genuinely going to be my um, sort of mid six pack that's just always in the fridge. You know, for if you've got to go driving afterwards or yeah, well, that, that's kind of what it is, and that's kind of, like kind of what I alluded to. Why I check it in a lot, like it's um. Often, you know, I think I went to, like, Tassie and we had, like, a shitty BWS near the hotel yeah. and I just needed something. I would sort of bought a few nice Tassie beers, but then I'm like, I need something when I just want to drink something quickly. Um, and so, yeah, the Cooper's Mild was sitting there. It was, like, Cooper's Mild or bloody, like, you know, Bose or whatever. And <laughs> The choice was pretty obvious. Yeah, well, the, when there's nothing there, this is there kind of thing. And I think it gets yeah. points for that. Yeah, fantastic. I'm glad we did this. Well, that's probably the most anyone's talked about Cooper's Mild in the last couple of years, so... Yeah, Cooper's, the, we'll send you the address for the check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can just vote for us now, RBAs. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I guess we'll be back with the seller, which we actually haven't done in a little while. 
No, not properly. Mm. Welcome back to the O'Clock Podcast. We are back with the seller. Um, just not not the seller. It's uh, the both seller. of our sellers. And we are back with a beer that Untapped's flavor profile says is Belgiany. Belgiany. What a great description. <laughs> um, spelt wrong too. Um, ah, even better. <laughs> Bel- Belgiany. Um, so this Belgiany beer is the last of the Quarantinis pack. It is Cabin Fever, the Cognac Barrel Age Belgian Trappel by Mornington Peninsula Brewery, who have... I don't know about their history with Belgian stuff, but they have a good history with barrel age stuff. I think that their Belgian stuff has almost all been barrel aged. I think. Just trying to think if I've had much of it. I think they've had a. I think it was called Cheviot or something, which oh, I think was a yeah. wine barrel aged triple. That was nice. I remember that. Yeah, they had a few in that sort of those larger format heavy set bottles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember they had a really nice clean Berliner and stuff, and that was probably around the same time. And the same bottles, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're sort of cracking this last of the, the Quarantinis. Um, don't know if there's much background for this. Uh, I've got nothing. I think they brewed it for Quarantinis. Cabin fever would make sense with the name. Yep. Cool little can, nicely appropriate name given the circumstances. Exactly. I like the sort of uh, lighthousey cabin in the woods sort of feel. Uh, Artwork's cool. Uh, yeah, the sort of scrawled on the wall ABV and stuff. Yeah. Um, initial impressions are this is good. Yeah, uh, that's that's awesome. It looks remarkably like the bin tank from before. Yep, tastes a lot better. Um, mm. Touch, maybe touch bitter. Yeah, I wonder if that'll sort Subside. of even think, itself yeah, out as it warms a little. Probably. Um, and while it warms a little, uh, any, yeah, quarantinis? Pretty good on the whole. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was perhaps more excited by the list than I ended up being by the individual beers, if that makes sense. I think that's fair. I, I think I'd be in a similar sort of spot. I thought a lot of them were sort of good above average beers, but nothing was really outstanding. Yeah, no no real sort of duds. I thought the uh, Old Wives Owls one was not great. Um, the chunky as anything. Yeah, not even the, the chunkiness is fine. We're, we're home brewers, we're used to chunkiness. Uh, but I just think the flavours work well. Uh, we uh, have had a couple of raspberry sort of bitter beers, and I just don't think the combo works. Um, and well, this was no exception. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas the stomping ground raspberry smash was good, as expected. Yes. Like, yes. Good use of raspberry, and bit of tartness. Great example of uh, this pack, I guess. It's it's everything, yeah, just solid, above average, well made. Yeah. Um. Nothing sort of like blew me away. I mean, we were talking to some friends about it and someone mentioned the Exit Milk Stout as actually being a highlight. And that's not to say that the stuff isn't good, but, um, you know, it's, it's you don't get a lot better than the Exit Milk Stout um, mm. in a lot of packs and this was no exception. Yeah, that, that's a superb beer. Always has been, always will be. Mr. Banks Knuckle Puck is excellent. Uh, the Staphylaxa Party is excellent. Yeah, they're the ones I was going to mention. The uh, Venom 
Double Golden's always brilliant. Yep. I think that's, that's the best one I've had as well. Yeah, that was, yeah, good quality. Um, Molly Rose was good as usual. Yeah. Hazy bling of... that was sort of dark and so hard to tell if it was hazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, but again, like hazy bling, I've had it before and um, quite enjoy it. It's fun. It is hazy bling. It is. Uh, um, the Colonial Sour was good. I really liked the Sailor's Grave Sake Sour. That was cool, wasn't it? Um, very tart and very fun. I thought the Edge one didn't quite work for me. Nah, I think Yuzu should work in lager, but I have not seen it work in practice. Yeah. I think the Saki didn't help either. Because it was sort of there at the end. Yeah. Or um, maybe it was Koji, but you know. That sort of Japanese rice space spirit uh, on the Yeah, I, I get what you mean. It, yeah, it just doesn't really add a lot. No. Dried, e- a dried everything out unnecessarily. Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, I, I was pretty, I was happy with it. And um, I'm hoping that, I mean, they, they sold well and I'm hoping that people could try a lot of styles that they wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I've been meaning to speak to Jack, one of our friends, about what he thought of the whole thing. The conversation did kind of drop off after a little bit, after everyone got them and had the first couple. Yeah. Um, so I might need to hit him back up. Yeah, that would that would be an interesting sort of check back in. Um, be interesting hearing what other th- people thought of the quarantines in general. Yeah, yeah, indeed, because a lot of uh, a lot of good breweries in there, um, and producing you know above average stuff. Lots of people got them, which is good. Yeah, and yeah, it it ended up being a great little exercise in a not so fun time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone's making the the most of the situation we're in, I suppose. And this this one did stick out from the start. Uh, this cabin fever. Yeah, yeah. As soon as, as, soon we, as you... we were looking for a beer to do this segment with, or a quarantine segment with, and this one was the obvious one. I think yeah. for both of us, uh, independently. <laughs> yeah, it's the obvious choice. It was maybe this or the Sailor's Grave. There wasn't much else. Any the IPAs wouldn't have lasted. So, yeah. Um, this is good. It, it is kind of like I wouldn't say like super boozy, but it's a little warm. There's warmth um, there. There is warmth. It's 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 enjoyable. It's I don't know. It's it's like the rest of the pack. I think I think it's pretty solid. Um, I don't know if it's fantastic. Yeah, I don't know if it's fantastic, but I think the underlying triple might be very good. And the uh, cognacs done, I don't know. It, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's like actively harmed it, but it's not doing heaps There's with it. There's a bit of wood that seems to be dulling the sort of spritziness almost that you'd expect from a triple. Like, I don't mean the actual carbonation part. I mean the stuff around the carbonation, if that makes sense. Yeah, and there's definitely the warmth on the nose. Yeah. I think um, that's like really... The spirit kind of warmth, not the high alcohol beer kind of warmth. Mm. Um, I mean, we can't really do a thumbs up, thumbs down with this, but I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I think, yeah. It was worth trying, for sure. A, a worthy finish to the pack, and it's sort of, it's always, you can trust Carl and we'll finish off a pack like this with... Something. Some sort of, yeah, some sort of barrel-aged big sort of thing that is at odds with the rest of the pack, perhaps. Um, I was sort of... Slightly disappointed that the pack wasn't a bit more stylistically diverse. 
Yeah. Uh, in what way? I would have like you thought there were too many IPAs, or it was all like too many IPAs. It was IPAs and sours. Um, I, I mean, not that I, I like, I love both those things, but I would liked, you know, a couple more lagers. Yeah. A couple of um, we had one red ale. Yeah. Buy another one, especially coming into time of year. I mean, I understand it's for an event, but um, I, I just kind of felt like it was a lot of similar beers, um, or at least similar on paper. Yeah. Yeah. So something like this really stands out because it's just so different from everything else. From everything else that was on offer. Yeah. Um, but overall, yeah, pretty happy with the pack and pretty happy with this. Yeah. I don't um, actually have a lot to say about this. It's just sort No, of... I was hoping for more thoughts, but it, it's, it's... I'm trying to pick something out, but it's 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 definitely a triple and it's definitely got some cognac in there. It's definitely got a bit of wood. Um, I just don't think it's like spectacular. It's just solid all around. Like I'm slowly picking up more of that sort of Trapel character. I just wish there was a bit more. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. You're getting a bit, but I almost want it to be spritzier, like actually carbon, like more carbonation sort of thing. Yeah, lift it up a little bit, um, get a bit more of that sort of. I know what you call it. That Trapel sweetness. Yeah, that, that sort of candy, I, sort of almost candy thing. Yeah, like it almost tastes like. Last call at your house, just not quite. Um, that's probably because it's usually a quad, but um, yeah, yeah. It is. No, look, it's 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 cool, and and I did say to you the other night, like I've been wanting my Belgian stuff, and this is almost scratching that itch. Honestly, it just makes me want to try have more actual Belgian it, stuff. It makes me want to go and buy a triple Carmeliet tomorrow, and <laughs> yeah, I I'm less convinced the more I have of it that the cognac adds much. Yeah, I I'm not sold on the cognac. I think really it, great idea on paper, I think. And I do not blame no. Mornington. Um, I think it may just be the certain play here. I'm sure stuff. this was their Gabs beer. I'm sure this was the plan for this beer. Yeah. So I don't know if it's timing or... I reckon yeah. they probably had to pull it out of tank a couple of weeks earlier than they wanted to or out of the barrel, and it's just not quite... It's just a little raw, like a little unintegrated. Yeah, I almost think either it needed... Less barrel time or more barrel time, but where yeah, it is, that's it. But that's where it, it is is almost quite right. It's on the edge where you can almost taste both, and you're not really getting either. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Um, they haven't com- either. They haven't committed enough, or they've gone. Yeah. Well, they shouldn't have. And also, I just think I want a triple, and this is uh, not. It's just the connex getting in the way of my enjoyment. But otherwise. Um, yeah, can't really, as I said, can't really do a thumbs up, thumbs down because it's so new, but Rip, Ripper idea. <laughs> yep. Um, and pretty, pretty decent. And when we get back together for a proper seller, I've had a bit of a look through. There'll be some stuff coming. Yeah, I was going to say, there's probably going to be, uh, it'll be a bit of a special seller. <laughs> nice that we can do one anyway. I mean, realistically, we only missed one seller. I, I sort of felt like it was more, but we did do the wildflowers. Yeah, we did the... The co-wildflowers, we didn't do one last time, and now we've done this, so we're not too yeah. far behind. Cellar is such a... The other good thing about important, the other good thing about this one is that most people have tasted this relatively recently and probably have some yeah. idea of what we're talking about. It makes me slightly more upset that I don't have anything interesting to say about it. Well, almost. Like, it is getting a little sweeter as it warms up, but I don't think it's quite going to get there. Nah, I just, yeah, it's not, not a masterpiece. I feel like with the good chapels and quads, uh, even early on, even if they're really cold, you can sort of be like, oh, this is going to be, yeah, this is something here. 
Yeah, mine's not even Nothing. that cold. Like it's just, it's just. Oh uh, yeah, I almost shouldn't have put mine in the fridge. But yeah, I don't know if it would have done that much. Yeah, I see what you mean. There's a little bit of dark fruit and stuff coming through, but yeah, I don't think it's. And I think that'll just about do us. This has uh, been a bit of a marathon session. I mean, you know, a lot of average podcast uh, episodes go for three hours for a lot of podcasts, but for us, this is sort of, you know, we're doubling up almost. We've got through a lot of um, content here. Yes, no, plenty of content. Um, and that, that is a good sign that during these times, there is plenty to talk about. Um, I, I'm looking forward to, it would be good when we are back in person, perhaps we can think of something fun to do to welcome it back, but... Um, in the meantime, I hope this has been working for everyone. And um, as always, you can get in touch at gus.norris7 at gmail.com. And we have we have beer o'clock emails now. Remember? Yes, I was gonna I was gonna say that I couldn't remember them. Uh, <laughs> took me a year to remember yours. So yeah, so it was always going to take a while. So you can get both of us at uh, so I'm Angus at beeroclockaustralia.com, and you're Dylan at beeroclockaustralia.com. Yeah, so ed- editing or hosting queries or anything I've said that um, aggrieves you. Just send him hate mail. Yeah, that's fine. Send all hate mail to uh, <laughs> to my beer o'clock address. Um, and I'll just tell Angus, oh, all good stuff, mate. All yeah, good stuff. All, all positive reviews. <laughs> yeah, all, all really good. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening. Hope you're staying safe and enjoying life as much as you can. And Hopefully you're able will... to get out to the pub soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I reckon we'll, we'll try to do something, some sort of scouting reporty thing, just poking our head out into the world, maybe. Check if it's safe for you next time. Yeah, yeah. If West Side's open, it's a good chance, I think. Um, <laughs> otherwise, we will we will see you in a month or so. And uh, thanks for listening, as always. And yeah, see you soon. See ya. Yeah.